This past week, I had to take one of our people to the hospital for an appointment. And my expectation was <laughs> that I was going to go to the hospital, pull up, let her get, get her into a wheelchair and, and, and take her on to her appointment. And instead, I get to the door and there's two nurses with masks on and gloves on and they're standing there saying, what are you doing here? Well, what do you want? And I had to tell them. I said, I just need to bring her in. And they said, nope, we'll get her. They wouldn't even let me in the hospital. And I could have very easily in that moment said, hey, you don't have any right to judge me. I've got as much right to be in here as anyone. I uh, the Bible says, judge not, and, and you will not be judged. But, you know, somehow I, I don't think that would have made any difference to them. One of the big news stories over the past couple of weeks has been our need for COVID-19 testing, uh, testing equipment, testing kits. We live in a time when it's important to judge people and to judge situations, to make judgments of, of all kinds. Who's sick and who's not who's susceptible and who's not how do i how do i keep my distance and yet still continue to care and show that i care I had a friend of mine the other morning we were praying we're praying over the phone and he was lamenting the fact that he's been quarantined from his grandkids he can't see his grandkids because of his age and because of his own immune problem problems and that's hard and and you know it, we get that we feel the pain of isolation. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling it right now, preaching to an empty room when I'm so used to being here and seeing your faces and enjoying your presence. And yet there are those for whom we will isolate ourselves. Uh, those who not because of illness, but because of the pain that they've caused us. We will isolate ourselves from them. Those who because of their sin who because of the way they have offended us, we will isolate ourselves from them. Those who we have deemed not worthy of our time, not worthy of our attention, and not worthy of our friendship. There are those that we have judged. And those that we have condemned. And those who we have just written off and we've written them out of our lives. Unworthy of our love. Unworthy of our forgiveness. Unworthy of expressing to them what well, expressing to them what Jesus has done for us. And it's, it's about those kind of relationships and it's about those people that Jesus is speaking of when, when He tells us in Luke chapter 6, verse 37, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now, we can't miss that even though there's a new heading in my Bible, and probably in yours also, we can't miss that this falls right on the heels of verses 35 and 36. Love your enemies, do good, lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. It's as though Jesus has just said, love your enemies. Now, Here's what that looks like inside of you. I'm not just calling you to do something for them. It's what I'm calling you to receive. It's what I'm calling you to receive as a promise, a blessing that you're going to receive. This isn't just about what you're losing, that you're going to lose your, your hate for that person, that you're going to lose your anger, that you're going to lose your lack of forgiveness. 
This is about what you gain from following Jesus' example and loving like him. Our text today is Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 37 and going down to verse 42. If you've got a Bible, I encourage you to follow along with me. Jesus says, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And then he told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see a speck that's in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? And how can you say to your brother, brother, let me me take out that speck that's in your eye? When you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye, you, you hypocrite. First take out the log. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. I've mentioned this as we've made our way through our series on Luke, uh, through Luke and and Jesus' sermon here in Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus has what's called, we call it the Sermon on the Plain. We have the Sermon on the Level Place. They're all standing together on one level. No one is above anyone else. Matthew's sermon, while being very similar in content, a lot of the same words, a lot of the same stories, uh, Matthew's sermon is different. It's a Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is sitting up on the mount and the people are down below him so we've got a couple of different contexts there we've also got some different wording between luke's uh, presentation and matthew's presentation and there are different points and i think there are even different audiences in these two stories and so as luke tells it it's different than matthew's luke has jesus giving us a lesson and then an example and the lesson is about containers Uh, the lesson is about containers how many blessings can your life hold how can you fit the most blessings possible into your life and the example is about our eyes what we look for in other people how we view other people what do we see what do we look for in their lives when i look at someone else when I, look, when I look at someone else, am I looking for the same things that I want to see in myself? Am I willing to judge myself the same way I judge others? That's the question. Am I willing to judge myself the same way I judge others? I, I, I know we have this idea that the Bible is a very serious book, you know, that, that it's about very serious things, but every now and then, We need to look for the humor that's there in these pages. And and Jesus himself is a master at weaving humorous phrases and humorous images into his teaching. And and here's one of the most famous. It's it's an over-the-top, ridiculous mental image. There's one man with a tiny little speck in his eye, just just the tiniest little piece of, uh, of maybe a sliver of wood, maybe a little bit of sawdust. And another man that's got a got a two-by-four stuck in his eye. Another man with a plank, and he, the man with the plank, is trying to help the man with a little sliver get the sliver out of his eye. This is one of my favorite things that I have back in my office. 
here at the church. This is one of my absolute favorite things in my office. Now, I want to point out to you that I made this myself. That explains the exquisite craftsmanship, I'm sure, right? Uh, and you may be saying, Brett, what is that that you've got in your hand right there? Well, let me just assure you. Let me just tell you what this is. It is a black walnut on a dowel rod. <laughs> I took a black walnut. I drilled a hole in it. That was the hardest part. And I glued a black, I glued a dowel rod into the black walnut. Now, what do I use this for? Well, some of you know already because I know some of you have these also. This is a back scratcher. And I will tell you this, it is the most amazing back scratcher uh, you, you've ever experienced. And now don't say, hey, will you make me one of those? No, go get your own black walnut. Go get your own dowel rod. It's not that hard to make one of these. But you run it down the back of your shirt. And, oh my goodness, it, it hits every spot. It scratches every itch. Rubbing, running it down your back, that's one thing. But uh, what if I got it stuck in my eye? <laughs> what, if I, what if I got this stick stuck in my eye? Ouch, that would be so painful. That would be awful. And if you were to see me walking around with a, with a stick stuck in my eye, well, what would you think? You would think, what's wrong with that guy? What's wrong with him? Doesn't he know he's got a stick stuck in his eye? Doesn't, he, doesn't that hurt? How can he have a problem like that? It's, it's so obvious. It's so apparent. It's so huge. And then what if I said to you, standing there with a stick in my eye, hey, I, I noticed a little something in your eye. Look, look, maybe just a little piece of sawdust or something. Can I help you with that? Can I... Can I Fix that for you. Can I first of all point that out that you've got a problem and then can I help you fix it? Well, what's the answer? No, absolutely not. There is no way you can help me fix the problem that I have with my tiny speck when you've got this huge problem of your own. And the lesson is, if I'm not willing to take a close look at my own life, if I'm not willing to take a close look at my own problems, then what right do I have to judge someone else right if i'm perfectly happy with my own problem if i'm content to walk around with a stick in my eye if, if in fact i'm a little giddy yeah i know i've got a problem but everything else is good everything's fine then why am i concerned about your problem why am i even thinking about your problem and i think the question is am i really concerned about your problem or is me pointing out your little speck, is that just an excuse to not look at the problem that I've got? Is my judgment of you about deflecting the attention off of my own problems? Is my judgment of others about deflecting others from noticing my own failings and my own sins? Am I willing to judge myself the way I judge others? We have to ask ourselves that question. And along with that, though, we also have to wonder, we have to wonder, do I want the same mercy for others that I want for myself? Do we want the same mercy for others that we want for ourselves? And again, I have to remind you, this all comes on the heels of that section. The, the section that's before this begins with verses 27 and 28. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And that section goes on to describe those who have hurt us, those who have harmed us, even those who have abused us. And it ends with verse 36. Be merciful, even as your Father 
is merciful. That, that is the call, to have the kind of mercy for others that God has shown us. And so I'm driving down the road, and I look up, and I see, I see the lights. I see the police lights. And then I immediately look down at my speedometer, and I realize I'm going 70 miles an hour. Now, first of all, I assure you, completely by accident. I did not go 70 miles an hour on purpose, right? And so if I get stopped, if, if, the, if the policeman stops me, what do I do? I plead for mercy. I say, you know, I'm so sorry. I didn't even realize. I did not realize I was going that fast. I am so sorry. And maybe I get mercy. Maybe the officer lets me off without, uh, with just a warning. Maybe I get off with just a warning. But a little later, I'm driving down the road at the speed limit. I'm driving at 55 miles an hour, and someone blows right by me. What's my first thought? Is my first thought, wow, I, I hope they receive the same mercy I received. I hope they receive the same grace from an officer just like I received. Or is my first thought, that person is a maniac? And I hope they get what they deserve. I hope they lock them up and take away their license. You see, this is the problem. We want mercy for ourselves. We want mercy for me, but not for the maniac. And certainly not for the person who hurt us. We don't want mercy for that person who, who wounded us, who said horrible things about us. We don't want mercy for that person who cut us down with their gossip and with their slander about us suddenly our hearts are very hard toward that person and we are bitter and we are angry and we hate them and we wound back and we feel perfectly justified doing so because we can't see past the stick that's in our eyes and so jesus calls us to take our attention off of the enemy off of the other person and Jesus calls us to ask the question, what is the rule with which we're measuring ourselves? What is the standard with which we are measuring our sin and, and our offense and our own need for grace and mercy? What's the standard for ourselves? And is it the same as the standard we're using for others? Is it the same mercy that we're extending to others? And if, if it's not a standard of grace then is it even Jesus' standard, right? If it's not a standard of grace, is it Jesus' standard? Are we calling people to live up to, the, to our rule uh, where our Father offers us mercy and we show others mercy? You see, the call isn't just to not judge. I mean, that's, that's just half of it. That's only half of it. Now, the real call here, the real call is to make it your goal to be more gracious. The real call is to make it your goal to be more gracious. Now you're thinking to yourself, wow, that's, <laughs> that's a little vague, Brett. Well, I, I kind of intend for it to be a little vague. Make it your goal to be more gracious. More gracious than, than who? Uh, what's the standard for grace? More gracious than my enemy? Well, yeah, more gracious than that person who hates me, who abuses me, who despises me. That Jesus even says slaps me. More, more gracious than that person? Well, 
uh, yeah, more gracious than the other guy, but that's still not the standard. More gracious than you've ever been before. And probably, probably more gracious than you've ever been to yourself. See, one of our, one of our big problems is, uh, w- one of the big problems with always looking at others and always judging them by, by their mistakes is that can be a socially and even religiously approved way of never getting around to examine yourself. Let me say that again. Judging other people by their mistakes can be socially and even religiously approved way of never getting around to examine yourself and examine your own problems. Never taking the time to take that log out of, out of your own eye. Never examining your heart, your motives, your actions. Never examining the way that you treat others and, and then never extending mercy. Never extending the mercy that you desperately needed from God just like everyone else. And so in the face of our need for mercy, Jesus tells us, judge not. Judge not and, and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. I think that word forgive is one that we, we don't really understand it these days. Somehow we got convinced that forgive means to forget. Forgive and forget, right? That's what we've always heard. Forgive and forget. And so, and so since we can't forget... Since we can't forget, we've convinced ourselves that we can't forgive, that we're not forgiving, and that we're just not able to do it. I'm trying, but I just can't get there yet, we say. We think that forgive means to to wipe all the hurts away and pretend that it never happened. That's not what forgive means. You know, because the hurt is so deep, it never goes away. There's hurts that you're always going to feel. And so we've convinced ourselves that since we're always going to feel those hurts, then, uh, then we, we can't forgive. Because we feel the hurts, we are never going to be able to forgive. That's not really what Jesus is saying here. That, that's not quite what the word forgive means. Think of the word forgive as to be released from your obligations. You know, you think about, you think about a debt that you might have. A debt that you owe that, that is, is too large for you to pay and you're working and you're working and you're working you're trying to pay off that debt. And then the person that you're indebted to says, I release you from your obligation. You no longer have to pay that debt. Doesn't, doesn't that feel good? Wouldn't that feel wonderful? And then think about being released from obligations and releasing others from their obligations. You know, you, you hurt me. You wounded me. But my father, he showed me mercy. He showed me mercy better than you ever could show me mercy. And because my father showed me mercy, I no longer need to hurt you back. I no longer need to judge you. Instead, I release you. I wonder, I wonder if it would make a difference in us if we used those words instead of I forgive you. If instead of saying, I forgive you, we said, I release you. And you know, right now, 
in the quiet of your home, maybe just surrounded by a few of your, by, by your family, or, or, or maybe just even by yourself right now. Maybe you could just quietly think about that one person that you struggle to forgive. And maybe you could just say, I, I release you. You could, you could practice. I, I can't hear you, but go ahead. You, you can practice right now. I release you. And I release you from the pain that you caused me. I release you from the injury that you did to me. I release you from the obligation of, of making everything right because you know what? You can't make everything right. That wound that you caused when you hurt me was so deep that only the Father's mercy can fix it. And so I'm going to allow the Father to do that. I'm going to allow Him to be merciful. And I release you. Verse 38, Jesus says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. Poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And this is another one of Jesus' fun word pictures. It's, a, it's an image that comes from the marketplace in Jesus' day. Let's, let's say that you go to the market, right? You, you're going to the market. Back in, back in Bible times, you're going to the market. And you need some barley because you're going to make some barley bread. And you're going to make a lot of barley bread. You need two omers of barley. Now, an omer is about two quarts. So two omers would be about a a gallon you need about a gallon of barley now now the the shop owner would take your money for that and then he would have an omer basket okay he would have a basket that measured just like you have measuring cups at home he would have a basket that measured one omer he would take your money and then he would take his his scoop and he would pour he would start pouring barley into his omer basket when he got it to the top he would level it off and then you would hold out your garment, just like sometimes we, you, you might hold out an apron and carry something in that. You would hold out your garment, and he would pour the omer into your lap, into your garment, and you would gather it up, and you would take your barley home. That's, that's how it worked. But what if the shop owner liked you? I mean, maybe, maybe the shop owner is a friend. Maybe the shop owner is, is someone that you've been kind to, and, and they want to be kind back to you. Maybe they just taken a shine to you. Maybe the shop owner just, just likes you. What's that shop owner going to do? He's going to take your money for one or for two omers of, of barley. He's going to pour the barley into the basket. And then he's going to take another basket. And he's going to press that basket down on top. And he's going to flatten it all out. And then he's it's now a little emptier. And, and, and he's going to shake it. Because, you know, some settling occurs, right? Some settling occurs during packaging. And so he's going to shake it down. And then he's going to pour more barley. And he's going to press it down. And he's going to shake it down. And he's going to pour more. And then finally, instead of leveling it off, he's just going to give you a big heaping basket of barley. And you're going you're gonna to extend out your garment. And he's going to pour that into your lap. And it's going to overflow. But that's okay, friend, because there's more where that came from. And if you need any more, you just come back and see me. It is poured in, shaken down, uh, pressed down, shaken together, and poured overflowing into your lap. And Jesus says, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now let me ask you this. 
when you go to God for mercy. When you go to God for grace because you know you've messed up. When you go to God for forgiveness because you know you've, you've sinned and you've hurt him. How much mercy do you want? How much forgiveness? How much grace do you need in that moment? Do you want just enough to get you by? Just, just, just enough to, to get me by? Or do you want a good measure poured in flattened down shaken together and poured in again and overflowing jesus says the way you give grace to others that's your standard that's how you receive grace back from god the way you show mercy is the way you receive mercy so be merciful because your father in heaven is merciful make it your goal to be more gracious Make it your goal to let go of the pain. Make it your goal to let go of the hurt, let go of the wrong that's been done to you. Say those words. I release you. I release you. Say those words and just watch what God fills you with. Will you pray with me? Father, we've got interesting days ahead as we shelter in place but no matter where we go or, or what restrictions we have we are thankful that we are sheltered in your grace you, you have shown us amazing mercy and we want others to see your presence in us so we ask for strength to show mercy to others we ask that in those moments when we might prefer to judge and distance our hearts that we might simply say i i release you and Father, there's someone in our lives. I just know that for myself and for my friends. There's someone in our lives about whom we need to say, I release you for the pain that you have caused, for the hurt that you did to me. I release you for the trouble that you caused me. And it's not your responsibility to fix it because God has already shown me amazing, abundant mercy. Lord, in the coming weeks, we are not only going to be in need of, of your mercy, we're going to need to extend that in new uh, and creative and unique ways. And we thank you that you still deliver mercy and that we can always count on you. And I pray that others can count on us. When this is all over, I pray that we will have delivered some of the greatest blessings to others, pressed down, shaken together, poured overflowing into their lives and so with all the challenges ahead let us glorify you let us lift up christ in the coming weeks it's in jesus name we pray amen i always tell you at the end of my messages i always say go in peace today let me just simply say stay in peace we love you and we hope to see you real soon god bless